Right, this episode of the Blockbusters Podcast is sponsored by Marcus Theaters at Crosswoods. Woo! Yay! Come in uh, every Tuesday. All movies are $5. And right now, to the end of the year, free popcorn. So, wow. you know, if you like free stuff. Mainly yeah. popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> at the film. There you go. And also, uh, come in any day of the week and enjoy their Dream Loungers, which are currently in every auditorium. Uh, nice. I believe they lost around 1,400 seats or so. But your theater experience is maximized now. These things, like, fully recline. It's like your car seat, just nice electric motors, just... Uh. And you just lay back and enjoy the film. It's almost like being at home, except my floors are slightly more sticky at my place than yeah. most movie theaters. But, you know, we won't go into my cleanliness issues. So uh, come to Marcus Theaters today, Crosswoods location, and look forward to promotions with Blockbusters and Marcus Theaters in the upcoming future. We have to iron out some details with the management, but we will have giveaways, uh, discounts, and so forth. So look forward to that. Episode 28 of the Blockbusters Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm Paul. And today is November 24th, I believe. I think so. Uh, yeah, and uh, today we are going to be discussing Ender's Game. Ender's Game. Yes. A game of Enders. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I'm sure most people that heard Ender's Game, the film coming out, and having never read the books, were just like, what? <laughs> well, first of all, I would like to uh, apologize for our hiatus, but yeah. we are still in business, unlike blockbusters. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Don't get scared. We are still in business. Yes, they yes. are not. <laughs> Who it, saw that coming? <laughs> I know. Uh, anyway. It's, it's almost as if all of these newfangled video on demand and yeah. not having to leave your house to watch things. Well, they tried to get into that Netflix type thing, which I think they might be continuing with on... Cable, yeah. certain cable networks I heard, but yeah. Yeah. Brick yeah. and mortar. It's a thing <laughs> of the past. Yep. All right, on to Ender. Well, let's see. Nuts and bolts out of the way. I'm just going to say the director was Gavin Hood, and I don't actually know off the top of my head anything that that guy has done. I know he was, uh, he wrote the screenplay, did he not? He, he did the screenplay for this, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's one of those things of, before a certain point in my life, you name a director and I'd probably be able to be like, oh, he did this and this. And then recently they seem to, if it's not a major director, all of these people are coming out doing the indie films and then it's kind of my shame of being a film fan, but all these people are like, I have no idea who this guy is. Couldn't tell you. Well, he had something to do with Wolverine, so... Oh, really? X-Men Origins. And not, ah. not the Wolverine. Oh, yes. X-Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> oh, director, actually. While you have a quick flick through of a certain unnamed app there, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say the budget is $110 million, and the box office, as of three days ago, kind of, I would say, unfortunately... Seventy-seven million dollars, three hundred and eleven thousand nine hundred and seventy-two dollars. You know, I'm not shocked by that. I know, but we'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> My uh, thinking behind that a little later. Well, yeah, and, and I'm sure there are several factors involved in that. And just to give you the quick synopsis here, young Ender Wigan is recruited by the international military to lead the fight against the Formex, a genocidal alien race which nearly annihilated the human race in a previous invasion. 
Oh, once provoked. Yes. <laughs> once provoked. Yes. Very... <laughs> Important distinction, okay. as we'll get into, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's one of a couple of differences between mm-hmm. the book and film, and that is going to be one thing. One of the main things here is that, obviously, it was a book first, mm-hmm. and then they made it into a film. Brian was one that read the book when he was younger. I, I read it as a target demographic. I think, you right. know, it's great for, like... 11, 12, 13 year olds. I believe I read it sometime around when I was 12 or 13. Right. And like I was telling Paul, I, I virtually remember nothing of the book, no specifics other than the big giveaway, and Which... that's about it. And the, in the, in the like academy style right. training, whatever. Yeah. yeah. But I don't really remember Harrison Ford's character, if they're, you right. know, the, the major's character, you know, anyone yeah. else. I, I is really kind of just has been lost in the ether. Right. So. Well, that's fair enough. And, Due to this film coming out, I decided to finally read the book, and I am now listening to the audiobook of the second sequel to said book after having also read the parallel book, so you can probably say I enjoyed this series, (laughs) so it was fun to get into this just before the film came out. And so we're hoping that having the read it but don't really remember it and then recently read it should make this a little more interesting. But to get into the cast then, we have Asa Butterfield as Ender or Andrew Wigan as depending on what you want to call him or who he's talking to. You would know that guy from Hugo. Oh yeah, yeah. He's a yeah great child actor. Yeah, doing really well. Harrison Ford as Colonel Graf and you know, I'm not I'm, I'm sure he's been in a few a few things other than Indiana Jones, but obviously most people watching this will think either Indiana Jones or Han Solo as teaching this boy how to do stuff. Uh yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> real quickly, yes, I before we get into all the other characters, I did say, you know, Harrison Ford's for me his character was a mixture of cranky Han Solo and cranky Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> it was just Kind of the, the go-to. Yeah, I mean, well, quickly then, branching into that, I was just going to say that having read the book recently and you know, I heard Harrison Ford was in it and I thought, you know, oh, okay, you're going to be the old guy in it. Mm. And then seeing the film and read the book, yeah, Harrison Ford, probably the best person to have played this character, especially how he played it in the film. It was a good fit, I'll say. Mm. And then... Branching off of that, got Ben Kingsley as good old Mazer Rackham doing a Maori. I had to say, I don't remember in the book him being a Maori oh, guy, yeah. but that's probably just, just me not really getting it, because def- yeah, Mazer, mm-hmm. I, I can see that coming from that side. Getting into the slightly lesser known people, you got Abigail Breslin as Valentine, although I'm fairly certain you'll recognize who she was she was in little miss sunshine of course yes and, among uh, others and others um... and when i say valentine i mean wigan if i don't say the last name she was the girl on signs too wasn't she <laughs> yes signs, that was her yes. first role yeah mm-hmm. yeah it, ender valentine and peter if i say mm-hmm. those names that wigan is the last name of those <laughs> characters Haley Steinfeld as Petra Who Arcanian. was amazing in True Grit. I was going to say that would be the one I'm sure you were yeah, uh, Absolutely incredible. I think she might have even been nominated. I, I don't know. She was. As Best Supporting or she, even she, Best she, Actress. She didn't get it, yeah. but she was. She was yeah. nominated, yeah. Which I think she would have been the youngest to win had she won. I think so. I think replace, yeah. But I don't know. This is this is not Oscars trivia. Not oh, yeah. yeah, we did that before. <laughs> this is Oscars guessing. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, who else you got? Uh, well, the last one that I had written down before we get into the ones that you just 
were reminding me of Aramis Knight as Bean. And in this film, his last name is not given. And also in the parallel book, his last name is not given. It's only found out towards the like, it's very end of it. And I, I can't remember it off the top of my head. But of course, probably best known, I would say, as his breakout role in Kid with Apple in The Dark Knight Rises. Who is he? <laughs> Kid with Apple. Kid with Apple. Yes. Oh. The one that Cat Nearly beat me out. I was um, too old for the role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I made a choice to go to the audition with a mango, and they're like, no, you right. can't be Kid with Mango. I know. Uh, and you're 30. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, this so is I, discrimination. I <laughs> hey, I've got a hat, I've got glasses. What more do you want? And. So yes, the other ones that you were mentioning because oh, I, I I didn't write them down because I didn't recognize the kid. I didn't remember oh, stuff. Yeah. But let's see, we had and I'm probably going to murder this Moises Arias as Bonzo. Bonzo, who's in a wonderful uh, independent film called The Kings of Summer, uh, has what's his name Ron from Parks and Rec in there. All right. Um, yeah. Yeah, Nick Offerman. His name was escaping me for a second. But yeah, uh, he's absolutely awesome in it. And uh, all the kids are great in that. But yeah, he's this little weirdo. Uh, Not unlike Bonzo, just a little more testosterone driven in this. Yes. (laughs) Uh, What else? Who is he? Jimmy Jacks Pinchak as Peter. Peter Wigan. Yes. As the fighter Uh, Wigan. Yes. Yes, the, the Wigan that. Didn't quite make it due to being, oh, I don't know, psychotic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, uh, sorry yeah. for butchering this because he's a big man. If, and if he would take <laughs> offense to this, I would be in trouble. Right. Uh, Nanzo Anozi. Otherwise, uh, most of you will know him from Game of Thrones as Zero Zohan Daxos of Karth. Yes, uh, of course you can pronounce that one. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, well, I've heard it many, many times oh, in yes. the show, but I think I got that right. But yeah, he's a big British dude. Uh, I, I want to see more of him. I, I just think he's very charismatic yeah i'd say him and the guy who was the major in pacific rim i think those two need to team oh, up i i uh yeah idra elbis or whatever yeah yeah but, that, uh, that would be the one yes. that, I, this is a bit morbid and sorry tasteless but now that i think he can get some more roles now that uh michael clark duncan has left a gap uh, <laughs> i'm speaking of nonzo yeah. here uh yeah sorry <laughs> just thinking like hmm I bet you lost out on more than one role. Oh, uh, yeah, that's probably. <laughs> you know, there aren't many six foot eight African American yeah. actors that are that full of life, but, you know, <laughs> on, on yeah. with things not, that aren't going to yes. get me in trouble. Not the stereotype, but yes. No. Yes. Not all, blog, not all bookbusters have approved this message. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, it's definitely a thing of we don't stereotype, but Hollywood definitely, definitely stereotypes. Does. Yes, and I. Just point that out. Yeah. Yep. All right. What All did right. you want to get into first? I know what I want to get into, but well, you go right ahead. Well, I I was thinking of mentioning that having read the book and then seen the trailer come out, I figured I'd start at the very beginning. The trailer came out. The very first time I saw the trailer, I hadn't read the book. Okay. The very first time I saw the trailer, I saw that beam going to the planet, and I thought, huh, okay, that's probably going to be near the end. It seemed a big thing. Mm-hmm. Then I read the book. Now I saw the trailer again, and I went, why the fuck do every single action trailer film to spoil, spoil the, the fucking end? ending? <laughs> like, Thank you, Dark Knight Rises, field <laughs> blowing up, football field, and yeah, that's why I love trailers and hate them at the same time. Yeah, it's, it was one of those things of, even not knowing anything about the book, seeing that trailer, I was like, okay, that's probably near the end, and then reading the book and realizing, like, yeah, I now want to see this film. 
I want to see how they've been able to do that. And then they do just show you, and spoiler, the big deciding end all of the war. You see the planet being destroyed. Even with no context, you know exactly what that is. You've just seen the biggest part of that. Anyone that's read the book is going to want to see that. Anyone that hasn't read the book is going to see that and then get that slight, you know, oh no, he's actually now destroyed this thing. Uh, yeah. Afterwards. But even so, like, this was the thing that people that have seen the book wanted to see, and so they show it in the trailer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I would argue it's one of those things of in The Avengers, the trailer for that, where you saw the Hulk catching Iron Man. Even with no context, you realize, okay, they're in New York, it's at the end. Hulk must catch Iron Man at some point. Oh, he's gone up in the air. He's got to come down yes. again. Will he live? Well, yes. I, yes, I he always will. prefer teasers over <laughs> trailers because teasers get me intrigued and they don't show yeah. a little too much. You know, just get you a little hints, get you excited. I understand trailers are important for films that need distribution and need, yeah. you know, independent films and stuff. I, and, I have uh, nothing against trailers at least done somewhat smartly. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, make a trailer showing some of the best bits, and then but not the end. And then there are trailers that are just pretty much a condensed version of the film and show you everything you need to show, yeah. show you all the best jokes or all the best action sequences, and then you watch that and go, well, I could have just watched the three-minute trailer. <laughs> <I> <laughs> or two and a half-minute trailer. That was everything I needed. Uh, <laughs> well, now idea. you see me. <laughs> <laughs> now I won't see you again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I will say, the, the one trailer that I saw that probably... And this is going to be somewhat random, but it's a trailer. It didn't spoil the film, but it completely misrepresented it entirely. It was actually Despicable Me. Mm. You saw the trailer, and it was lighthearted. Like, he's trying mm. to get into the guy's thing. He's getting hit by different oh, yeah. weapons. Like You saw the funny bits with the minion. You then see the film, and the entire film is a very somber tale of these oh, kids I, I, wanting a... Wanting a father, I can yeah. I think of plenty of instances where a film is billed as like a comedy or something, and it's very heavy yeah. when you're in there, or or vice versa, where it's promoted as like a drama, but it really is has more laughs or more action. It's just however the studio decides to sell it. But, but I think that's a separate podcast. We can yeah, probably right, talk right. for trailers for an hour. We should write that down. Yes, yeah, so it's trailer cast. <laughs> All right, so. Well, in that case, that that was where I wanted to jump off. What about you? Um, you uh... I want to go into. Um, I was a little disappointed, even though what the film was what two? What was the running time? A little over two. Oh, uh, yeah, it was. It was pretty much two hours. So let's just say that. Yeah, one hour fifty four. There you go. But uh, <laughs> um, that being said, uh, I still I think the character development was very lacking in a lot of places. Um, a bit too fast paced for you, by any uh, chance? I don't know. I don't mind dialogue. I love dialogue and even exposition if it's done cleverly, and yeah. smartly, and not just like looking to the camera. This is my story, and this is where I'm from, and these are my you know yeah. you know just dumb it down. I, you know we've all seen those dumb exposition scenes where <laughs> they got to explain to someone what. The academy is, or you know, or you know, the newbie here, you know. But uh, I'm gonna have to borrow this from an online guy that I like. He's got a little song that he sings whenever it gets to that point. Exposition, exposition, <laughs> rush it out ASAP. But that being said, I I don't know anything about Harrison Ford's backstory. Right. I okay. Really? I mean, even the, the major Viola yeah. Davis's character, you really don't know much about, other than like she's mm-hmm. a child psychologist or whatever. And, yeah. But you, you don't get into their motivations at all. You just 
get, oh, Harrison Ford's just a cranky asshole uh, <laughs> that will win this war at all costs and doesn't care if he fucks up these kids for life and yeah. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> or if, how many people have to die, whatever, as long as we win this war against giant ants. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, so, and even, uh, like, uh, Petra, I thought, they're like, we don't really know a lot about her. It's definitely... One of the things about the book, obviously, is that you can take as much time as you want. Yeah, exactly. To but, I mean, I w- you don't know about her home life, about, you know... I will put a bit of a, a life raft out for the film there and say that Graf, in the book, you really don't know much about his backstory, really. Mm-hmm. Even by the end, you just come to realize how much he does care for Ender and how much pressure he's under because he's one of a few people that knows exactly how desperate the situation Mm -hmm. is Uh, well somewhat desperate it's it's a bit you can always argue like well we've sent this thing out to them they've not come to us or whatever but whatever see and and i read it as in the film like any slight hints of nurturing or caring for ender i think was just a disguise to get Ender to do what he wanted him to do right Uh, you know the end justifies the means whatever i gotta say to this kid to get that killer instinct out with yeah. you know well it's one of the things that they kind of did it in the film where you saw the odd interaction of just graf and anderson or just graf and someone else they had it in the book as little things at the beginning of each chapter conversations which kind of fleshed out what was going on with the management mm-hmm. and those were in the film but not to the extent they were in the book yeah. and it really got to the point of graf knows exactly what he's doing to ender and he doesn't like it, but he has to do it. There's yeah. no other way of getting around it. So he's doing this thing to this kid, and he realizes that when this war is over, he's probably going to be court-martialed and maybe even killed. Mm-hmm. But he's the one that has to do it. There's no one else. See, I, I'd so. still find, I mean, I will go see Harrison Ford in almost anything, uh, if, if it looks like he, he was the action star of my childhood. Right. You know, like, <laughs> you know, Star Wars and indie and, yeah. uh, you know. But uh, I just thought, felt he was horribly one-dimensional in this. Yeah, but it's, I don't. I'm not knocking the acting. I'm not. You know, it was what was probably on the page, or yeah. you know. But I, I just, I don't know. When you have someone like him, I think he should have had more to play with, more to do, more emotional ranges. I'm yeah. not saying what was there wasn't good, no, but yeah. it was just one dimension of good. Yeah, what, <laughs> one of those things of doing the best with what. You have access And, and also, to. I mean, when you have Harrison Ford and Ben Kingsley in a movie, together, like, why were they... I mean, they had a couple scenes. I mean, yeah. I know he's introduced late in the film. Very late, yeah. Very late in the film, but, I mean, ugh, more scenes with Ben Kingsley yeah. and Harrison Ford, please. Like, have them come to blows. I don't care. Like, that would be... Yeah. <laughs> Get those two together. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because, I mean, I would say going into a, a very book versus film discussion here, the film did its best to translate what was on the page. Mm-hmm. You had several things that were quite different. For instance, Bean was introduced in the book about halfway through. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even turn up until he doesn't turn up to the station mm-hmm. until Ender is already in charge of an army. So the fact that he's already there, when I saw that I was thinking, okay, this might be a sign that they're going to be going quickly with some of these things mm-hmm. and unfortunately for me like i would have been willing to sit through a longer film to get more of the stuff that was in the book see i, I do have a question here i was just as i was 
uh, hurriedly writing. Yeah. Uh, um, I loved the bit uh, with the mind game in there. Yeah. And I would have loved to have seen more of... See, you'll have to correct yeah. me uh, if this took place in the book or not. I would have liked to see more of the intellectual side of the training. More right. puzzles, other mind games, more problem solving. The, the than other just the, the, than just the physicality. Just yeah. the physical nature of the zero-G room, uh, which was just mostly featured. Um, yeah, well, I mean, there were... In the book, you got to see... So I was mean, there more in the, they, in the book of the I mean, they, they like went to the lessons and, that you saw. Yeah. They went to the Zero-G and they were encouraged to do that. Uh-huh. And then there was the mind game. And yeah, a big part of the film was the mind game. And they, they cut out... It, it was, was, it, a, was it the same thing? Was it two cups of poison it, and it, the it, giant... That was the big thing in okay. the book. Of okay. He reached that point and realized that he couldn't do it. Uh-huh. Now... In the book, they describe that the mind game starts off with this one thing, you go all the way through it, blah, 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 and then you end up at the giant table. Yeah. Rather than, I'm going to start at the giant the yeah. game, oh, I'm at the giant table. And, yeah. and I understand that given how fast-paced they were doing it, yeah. they had to get to that point. In the book, he struggled with it for several weeks. Oh, see, they, it's, like, it's like third attempt. He's like, yeah. fuck this, I'm jumping in this asshole's eye. <laughs> That's the thing. He, in the book, it explains, he dies every way imaginable. Oh, really? The poison kills him, the poison falls on him and burns him. Sure the, giant the giant ends him. up killing yeah. him. There's so many things that he get. It's that he gets so fed up mm-hmm. that he decides he has to try something else. Well, see, that's a bit of a cheap because it makes him seem that much that much more worse. clever, more, mm-hmm. more you know, just like it, like the major said, like I've never seen anyone do that. <laughs> like, yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> like he gave it two tries and then it's like, all right, I'm you know that yeah, shows how much he can think outside of the box, but in actuality, he, it took him weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah, it was uh, one of those uh, things you know, of. And, he reached the point of desperation that he tapped into the Peter in him, mm-hmm. rather than, nope, nope, nope. kill him. <laughs> kill him. <laughs> All right, this is the only outcome possible. Yeah, yeah. It, it's one of those yeah. things that it did kind of heighten the fact that, and because they couldn't go into mm-hmm. it that much, that Peter is very much part of his life, and he's so As he's going to turn into I mean, Peter. It's you know he he embodies the yeah. killer side of Peter and the compassionate side of Valentine. Yeah, you know, which, which, the, he's the perfect mix. Which is where where they were trying to go because you know he kills this giant straight away, mm-hmm. and the idea is that he's supposed they were supposed to be out of desperation, but this time he just kind of did it, and he doesn't really show any. It's just like, it's just a game. It's, yeah, it's, it's a game. game. <laughs> yeah. Now, hopefully there wasn't a giant somewhere getting killed. <laughs> I don't know if that was real. Uh, <laughs> but, I, well, he's kind of a jerk, though, making him drink poison. But Yeah. So I guess I don't feel bad if the giant died. But, yeah, in, in the book, there are other <laughs> games that the okay, kids Yeah, like, I think there was, like, one big scene of the classroom of him, like, showing his kind of command knowledge. Or, But, I mean, it seems like that end scene just kind of comes out of nowhere where he just knows... How to command an entire fleet? Yeah, and like I would have seen a little more build up, not necessarily an eighties montage, but <laughs> learning so, stuff yeah. and getting faster. <laughs> well, the the problem I had, and again going back to me saying I wish it had been longer, I'd have been perfectly fine. I would have been happy with two fifteen or two twenty. I I'd have gone for a two and a half hour film just so that we could have got more of the battles and seeing him struggle mm-hmm. with trying to train on top of actually later in the film when they're doing the simulations that are in fact them commanding the fleets there are points where ender blacks out while commanding them and then petra blacks out 
mm-hmm. and is comes to while being pulled away just sobbing and saying over and over again just tell him I'm sorry because they're, yeah. they're so drained by all this and yeah. and you don't get any of that towards the end really and then I I wrote down because it was just how I felt when I was leaving it, the film is too fast paced for the full narrative to be effective and there's one line in it when it's the last battle before he ends up going back to Earth and then off to command school mm-hmm. and there's a line where he's he's saying okay we're going to do a formation and they say we've never done a formation before yeah, okay yeah okay. if you're following the narrative of the film this is their second fight mm-hmm. so of course they've never done a formation before it's their second fight <laughs> in the book it's a fight that has come after one fight two days later one fight next day fight Mm-hmm. A week of fights, one day after no, another. Then two movie or refresh my memory for the film. Are you supposed to infer that there have been other fights in between this man, you're or so do they say it is their second fight? No, you're supposed to infer that there have been more. Okay, because they don't say it's been our second. Mm-hmm. They don't say any of mm-hmm. that, and it's clear that time is running out. Yeah, but it is very much there's a fight. There's a little bit of the the dialogue. There's the um, there's the attack. Mm-hmm. which we'll get into in a second as well because that's another key book point that they kind of glossed over in the film and then it's they're given this slip of okay your fight was 20 minutes ago <laughs> you know get down there now and he's reached the end of his tether and it's it really is at the point of okay you can see how he's reached the end of his tether just because you know he's been screwed around so much at this point that yeah. he's finally done but you've only seen that with him you don't see it with them screwing with his army, with mm-hmm. them training and being forced to do all of this, like no sleep at yeah. this point. You just see fight, like, you know, oh, they've won this, they did really well, and now they're changing the rules of the mm-hmm. game because of that. Then stuff happens outside of the war room. Then it's the last fight. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I would want... I think even normal moviegoers would be fine with seeing one more team battle, like you know, maybe even one of the ones where the other side got close to winning because they're being worn down yeah and then see this one where they do the formation and finally win by breaking the rules and that being it <laughs> like yeah i mean again this is coming from someone that read the book two months before seeing the yeah, film and uh yeah I, I briefly wanted to give my theory on it's uh why it hasn't done better i think it's meant for i mean it's a pg-13 film yep i think it's meant for that younger audience as is the book yeah. The problem is the younger audience has no awareness of the, of this as a book. Yeah. It's not a beloved ancient story. You know, not ancient. I'm using right. the wrong word, but an old story like Lord of the Rings, where you know that I think that gets passed on to like if you're a big reader, maybe you pass that on to your kids. You you, you know read that stuff. This yeah. is a niche uh, novel. It's science fiction, which isn't a huge yeah. area. You either know it or you don't, and those people are going to see it go see the film and then bitch about it how it's not cool. <laughs> like yeah. the movie you know but so I, I think that it really had to just kind of work as an action piece on its own yeah. and like I said like it's just you know it was uh, like I said meant for like a 14 year old that has seen everything and yeah. ha- has an iPhone in his pocket and an <laughs> iPad and yeah, you know can see any movie he wants and play any game yeah. he wants and it's I don't know it's I think it took too long to get made. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's one of those things of maybe it was made too soon because, as you were saying, Lord of the Rings, how long was that book out? 
Well, and I mean, there's no way to put that on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> you had to wait for the technology to de develop. Exactly. And now that the technology is here, they're like, okay, well, this is a book that some people like, and clearly mm. they would like enough for people to write screenplays on it. Yeah. And so they was snapped up and saying, I, oh, someone was... Yeah, it's a good screenplay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong. I might be nitpicking several see, yeah. narrative choices. Mm -hmm. But the screenplay was probably very good. Well, see, and I also I, I wanted to bring up uh, uh, some of you might be thinking, well, what about Harry Potter? That was a quick turnaround. Those were books and then films. Oh yeah, that like was... like they were catching in quickly. That was <laughs> so well, you, you fell in love with the book, and then you can see that movie next summer. Exactly. I, <laughs> like, which is kind of bringing out the point. You got the books that are around for so long mm -hmm. that parents are reading to their kids. It, it, and and then same thing with the, the the Narnia series. Yeah, Chronicles of Narnia. Those books. C.S. Lewis wrote those things like. 50 years ago. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, who cares about Prince Caspian anymore? Yeah. So you got those films of parents reading to kids, parents reading to kids, parents reading to kids. Oh, look, here's a film. You then got Harry Potter, which is, wow, my kids like really into reading now, mm -hmm. reading all of these books. Here's a film before the series is even done. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> now you can see what was in your brain yeah. <laughs> two and, months ago. And then you got Ender's Game, which came out in, I think it was 85. I might be wrong mm -hmm. about that. But it came out in the 80s. Yeah. So there's only been really two generations, if that, that mm -hmm. could have read the book and read it to their kids if their kids were interested in sci-fi. Yeah. And then this film comes out on a book that is on a shelf in the bookstore mm -hmm. down one of the many paperback trails or in the library yeah. down one I mean, of the many it's, I mean, nothing trails. to take away from Orson Scott Card. I think he's a great sci-fi writer, but oh, he's, yeah. not, he's not Asimov and he's not Clark <laughs> and he's not, you know, these other huge names you think of in sci-fi. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, maybe... <laughs> Maybe you know, 50 years down the line, mm -hmm. he'll be seen as someone that was doing something really innovative with yeah. that style. And I, I must say, obviously, I'm really into the books. I'm reading and listening to all of the other books in that series. And I think this is going to go down as one of the best sci-fi saga type things, like characters. Yeah. Like Ender is a fascinating character, written really well. But not enough time has passed for enough people to have read it to their kids and then read it to their kids and too much time has gone by from when it came out to the people that originally read it to really go and see the film and yeah all of that like they might not even have kids that are old enough to understand the film so they can't take them mm -hmm. either that or the people that have read it have just had babies <laughs> like, <laughs> so it, it's kind of kind of came out in I think the wrong era maybe 10 years later <laughs> Um, although I, I can understand why it came out, and I'm glad it did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, I, I enjoyed seeing this version of the, the story. Yeah. I must did say. we want to talk about the conclusion real quickly before we get to ratings? Or? Yeah, sure, definitely. And it's it's also a thing of they. I I want to say actually I can't right now because it'll be the very end. So let's go into this. So. What part of the conclusion did you want to start at then? Like uh, the the twist just, or just the final the battle? Twist? Which okay. I mean, as I said before, uh, knowing that like one of the few things I retained from the novel is uh, so. So I knew that the whole time. So I don't I don't know as it's someone that was wasn't familiar with it when you're supposed to pick up on that. Yeah. Okay, or... well b before we go into it, let's say <laughs> or, or is there anyone that's shocked to find out that this they've been fighting the whole time? Because if you're looking at your watchers, like there's no time for the real battles anymore. Yeah, <laughs> <It's>, right. <laughs> you know, it's like... yeah, it, it, it 
it does get to that point in the film of there has to be something There's here. training, they're training, they're training, they're training. When are they going to get to yeah, this stuff? They're training, they're training. Well, we've got 20 minutes for a battle. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, for those of you that haven't seen the film, haven't read the book, still I'm listening. still listening at this point. <laughs> Which... yes, it turns out right at the end that Ender going through all of these simulations, the training that he's been going through, has in I, fact, I would say just in, just in combat, or just in uh, command. Yes, just in the command, command school, school yeah, yeah. where everyone's mm-hmm. there, and they're all going through, and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, yes, I will be commanding the apparent mm-hmm. other team. Yeah, they're actually commanding the actual fleet that has actually been sent out, mm-hmm. which... If you if you read the parallel book, Bean figures out long before he gets to command school that the fleet must have been sent. Oh, yeah. And in the book, when he's fighting, he realizes after the second battle that we're actually doing this. So he just <laughs> doesn't think that's important to bring up to anyone. Well, the problem is, if he brings it up, he knows that if he just says, "Oh, he'll skew the, the way result," or this, he could skew the result. Everyone's so going the... to stop fighting. Mm-hmm. And he's come to the realization that this is the only course available to so him. So he's in Graf's corner, essentially. Uh, kind of, yeah. yeah. He, he's smart enough to realize what's happening and smart enough to realize that he can't stop it. Yeah. <laughs> if he stops mm-hmm. it... Well, yeah, I mean, the argument is, is, like, would you make those same decisions if you knew those lives were real? Yeah. If you weren't, you know, like, he abandons the, the carriers, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. and just goes all all in on the... the, on what the final it, attack. Yeah, yeah, the... Uh, the Petra's machine, whatever. What you call that thing? What was the... Uh, the, uh, the, the the little doctor. The little doctor, yeah, yeah, yes. whatever. Yeah, so yeah, puts all of his eggs in that basket, and meanwhile these <laughs> carriers yeah. are just defenseless and getting destroyed while thousands of lives are being lost. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so would you make that decision knowing, I know. you know, knowing that was the repercussion? So yeah. probably not. And it is also something that they brought up in the film, which I don't remember being as strong in the book I think in the book they focus more on the fact that the the buggers and that's a point I understand that the word bugger isn't exactly the best word to use but why did you get rid of that at no point oh, were are they, they called, called buggers. buggers they, in, uh, yeah, buggers. Okay, I thought <laughs> just thought you were being extra Britishy. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> that, that's the thing. I can understand that maybe for the UK market, call yeah. it Informix. But in the book, they are referred to that once. Form- Everything oh. else. Everyone that like, talks about uh, them. Yeah, it's Every like the book, White, walkers and, White Walkers and Others, to go back to Game of Thrones. They're always <laughs> the others in uh, the books. And then yeah. they're White Walkers. And if yeah. I'm all there, they're referred to like once or twice as White Walkers, evidently. But, right. Yeah. Well, it, it was something that I was so shocked by that they actually did that. Well, I mean, I, and having taken years and years of Latin, like, I knew Formic, I'm like, oh, they must look like ants, because Formic acid, and, right. you know, like, all this, you know, it's like, because uh, I don't, like I said, I didn't remember the book, but, so, but that was the thing. In, were they described as ant-like in the, kind, the book? Kind of, they're more insect-like, I, I think the idea would be... Whereas an ant is... Yeah. <laughs> well, well, no, but I, I mean, like, the way that they're kind of described, and this is going to be a very random offshoot, the buggalo in Futurama... Kind of like that, but less fat. And <laughs> all right for the yeah for the zero people that can I follow know, that train of thought. Yeah, okay. So yeah, basically not ant like bigger than ant, more sort of praying mantis style oh, yeah. type thing. Well, it was kind of a, like the visualization was a little yeah, bit well, between a praying mantis and an ant. It was well, like that, an ant head. With, well, yeah, that that yeah. was the thing when you finally got to see the old hive queen, and that was mm-hmm. definitely a hive queen. That wasn't mm-hmm. the actual. 
bugger that they were fighting. Yeah. That was what you got, and the actual fighting ones are supposed to be kind of like that, but just not as big. Like the High Queen's supposed mm-hmm. to be quite big, <laughs> and of course they didn't show any of them other than that one. Like it was really kind of odd. I thought yeah. that, that decision, but then again going back to what I was saying, the fact that they just went so fast-paced and had to go through everything, obviously they had to change some things, and the fact that you didn't really see any of them. (laughs) But changing the name that everybody calls them, I think, was a bit too far. Maybe even just for an American audience. Like, how many people over here are going to hear buggers and really know what that would mean in England? Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) But, uh, oh, quickly, I think something we skipped over was the justification of this war uh i don't know i don't want to go too long into that i know we have other things to get to but uh i know you said you wanted to put a pin in that because it was different in the book or slightly different Um, i mean were were we attacked did we have a preemptive strike in the book Uh, because obviously we are told in the film that we had to defend ourselves they were going to colonize and this planet and we had to defend them or defend our, our way of life and as yeah, is every it, alien invasion movie, you know, you have, we have to send them back from whence they came. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the way that it's done in the book is that that first one, yes, they turned up pretty much out of nowhere and kind of started attacking and then we defended ourselves and having to deal with that, discovering that this exists and then carrying on from there and obviously the army way of thinking is, okay... We're not going to wait for them to come to us. We're going to go out there. Now, in the book, they go into the fact that this is kind of the way that they communicate. They had no way of communicating with the humans because they communicate entirely telepathically. Mm -hmm. The Hive Queen pretty much controls them all. And to the Hive Queen, every single soldier, in quotes, every single one that isn't a hive queen is expendable because they're not individuals Mm -hmm. so what the hive queen was trying to do at least in the book is get to earth maybe have like a little colony going but the overall thing was not to take over it was just Mm -hmm. to just try and communicate in the end but in obviously in the film they can't go into that there was no time so it was we were attacked we protected ourselves now we're going to go kill them. That was the only thing you got from that. Which I think that was actually an important thing that should have been in the film. Is that at one point you realise they're trying to communicate. But they can't. <laughs> Maybe I'm getting more into the second book where Ender really lays it out to people. Yeah, Ender I just thought that was an it. important distinction. Like, yeah. cause but, if they are assholes, then yeah, kill them. Yeah. But, you know, that's kind of the end of the film you're like okay wow we yeah wait, you know we might ender, ender was the asshole yeah. <laughs> and you know a puppet but you know he was used as you know a puppet but still he did he did the yeah. you know he was the one that commanded the fleet and one that wiped out uh, almost yeah. an entire species <laughs> yeah that, that was a thing that i liked although it was another you know narrative needing to be shortened in the book what happens is obviously there's fight oh like within factions on who should get the kids who shouldn't once that is won valentine comes out and valentine and ender go off mm-hmm. like they, they go off to another world they go off to one world and then ender finds the hive queen like egg whereas in this it's 
Two days after the battle, he walks outside and finds the High Queen Egg. It's a bit of a real quick cheat, as it were. Of yeah. like, we need to finish this film now. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone's been sitting around. We've done the battle. We don't have time for us to explain, oh, he's gone off on this colonizing ship, yeah. and now he's found them. They're coming at it from a film study standpoint of understanding how narrative works and how you can never get the whole of a book into a film. I can see exactly why they did it. Yeah. I can understand exactly why they did it. But coming from someone that liked the book so much, I would say you should have just made the film a bit longer. I think people could have done dealt with that. They, you yeah, can deal it, with it, Lord it, of the Rings. We don't know like whose that. decision that was. Maybe the you know, yeah. maybe Hood wanted it to be you know two thirty, but Studio's like no one's going to go see uh, yeah. <laughs> two hour, two and a half. So you never know who whose yeah. creative decision that was. Yeah, it's one of those things of yeah. Obviously, we're coming at it from. We've seen the film, so all the decisions have already been made. Exactly. Yeah. We, we're just... <laughs> we don't know who defended what decision and who made what decision. Yeah. But... <laughs> I don't know. Well, the, the only other thing then, uh, coming away from the ending, that I wanted to point out, which was a major thing that happened in the book that they didn't even really touch on. I mean, they did, but they didn't go into that much detail. In the book, you find out that the two kids that Ender fought with, the one at the school right at the beginning, before he even gets to the station, and then the kid who fights him in the shower and ends up hitting his head, having to be on the machine. Mm -hmm. You find out on the interaction between the two higher-ups at the beginning of the book that Ender, in fact, killed both of those kids. <laughs> Pretty different. Yeah, yeah. 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 And the idea is that not only did he kill them, but they were dead before help arrived. Like, and they yeah. died in front of Ender, yeah, <laughs> pretty like, much. <laughs> Ender killed them there and then, but he didn't realize. Mm -hmm. And the idea in the book, the second that guy hits his head, like, two seconds later, a teacher comes around the corner. Mm -hmm. Like People turn up, they clear the area, Ender's taken away. So all he sees is that kid hit his head and not move. He's then later told that the guy's been sent home. And then, in a body bag. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, they, so. they say, oh, he's been sent home. He gets told by someone else that it's been announced that he's, he's on a plane to his hometown. Uh -huh. like, that's what's going on. And then you see the conversation between the higher-ups that, oh, I'm talking about Ender, talking about Ender, talking about Ender. Like, yeah, he killed those kids, you know. Hmm. And like, that's, it's thrown out like that. And you realize, okay, he's actually killed now. But he's unaware of it, and it's well, yeah, it's important to make that sure that to, yeah. he's not aware of exactly. it. Exactly, because he says you know, if he finds out that these kids are dead, everything we've done is for nothing. Mm. <laughs> and so it, it's in the film. Obviously, Ender's the one that says he's going to die, isn't he? And they kind of gloss over it with, yeah. "No, we're fixing him up, we're sending him home." <laughs> yeah. yeah, and of course, the kid in the school—nothing's ever mentioned. Period. All that's mentioned is that he defended himself. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so so you don't get any of that. <sighs> but I am definitely going to try and come at this film when I'm going to give my rating, which will happen fairly shortly. I'm, uh, sure. yeah. uh, I'm going to try and come at this as the film done by itself. And not necessarily the guy who is. I know he's saying in the book, in the book, in the book. You can play a drinking game with this one in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Drink in the book, in the book, in the book. <laughs> no, I'm really screwed with you. All right. All right. Uh, so shall we rate? I think we shall. I All think. right. I don't know who is up. But I'll go uh, ahead and take a stab. All if right. You don't you mind. Go first okay. Go ahead. All right. I think uh, all of the action sequences I think looked amazing. I. I, I yeah. Thought they were very well done. Even the stuff in the zero G 
looked really good. No, yeah, and, and they actually did some training in zero G, so like the kids would know how to move or you know it would. Yeah, I, I am kind of sorry that we didn't spend a little mm. bit more time talking about yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> I, I know we have our own yeah. time limits as well. Yeah, but yeah, that, those bits very good. Not yeah, and, and then even uh, all of the uh, computer stuff, or meaning generated images. Yeah, uh, not the mind game essentially, <laughs> but uh, I think all that just looked incredible. Um, as I stated, the adult acting I thought was a little flat, with a few exceptions. Um, yeah, uh, Nonzo. <laughs> Meanwhile, I love Nonzo. <laughs> And uh, I mean, I, like I said, I loved Harrison Ford and Ben Kingsley and stuff, but the child acting was where it really was for me. I thought it was oh, yeah. superb child acting. Oh, it uh, kind of had to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because they carry this piece needs them, you know, to carry it. Uh, but yeah, Asia Butterfield and uh, you know Haley Steinfeld and um, Abigail Breslin, you yep. know, uh, like all of them, I just thought were absolutely incredible. And uh, look forward to see what else they do. Um, that being said, I, I, the film still felt. A little flat for me. Right. Um, I, I can see where it's doing what, like between 59 and 60. It's right on that fresh rotten barrier yeah. right now. <laughs> I think. Uh, so long story short, I'm giving this a minus 3.5. Um, yeah, I, I can see that. I think that's fair. I, I, I don't know if it's going to have a lot of replay value for me. It's one of those things, you know, it depends on the specials, <laughs> on <Yeah>. the bonus features. <laughs> if you throw a commentary in there, I'm always a sucker for a director's commentary. But uh, <laughs> I enjoyed it. It's just, like I said, I think more could have been done. Right. And like as you're, to your point, with yeah. a longer film, uh, especially with the, the source material, too much. Even like I said, I don't remember it, but too I, much I, I, learning this, I'm turning, you know, learning that there was a lot lost but <laughs> minus 3.5 for me alright well I will say starting off that yes the special features for me I would love to see a director's commentary of the say the director the screenwriter and Orson Scott Card together oh, yeah. discussing and I'd like to see one with all the kids too yeah that, or yeah, hear one I, rather I guess yes and I'm sure it'll be slightly more informative than the kids commentary of School of Rock <laughs> <laughs> oh, please yeah, I, I listened to that solely because I ended up with the DVD somehow, and I had time to kill, and I thought, you know what, this might be interesting to see a kid's perspective of the film. Not really. No. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, yes. But yes, and so, with this film, I'm attempting to take all of my bias out of having loved the book after waiting so long to read it, <laughs> and just go based on the critiques I've had of it as a film in general which for me, one of the biggest was pacing. It was clear, mm. even without having read the book, it was clear that they were rushing through a lot of it. Mm. And as I kept saying, yeah, definitely a longer film would have allayed most of that. And the characters, as you were saying earlier, there was so little development of any character other than Ender mm. that it was a little flat that way. Having said that, before I get the actual rating, the film itself was fairly good there wasn't really too many bad parts to it <laughs> and as you were saying the zero g stuff i thought was some of the best zero g stuff i've seen outside of gravity <laughs> like uh-huh. yeah the, the way that they were doing that with all of the floating around and being able to give some of the very physics. odd title gravity because there's very little gravity in gravity <laughs> <laughs> I, maybe it's just trying to be a meta <laughs> been anti-gravity yes <laughs> 
Oh, be, that could be an interesting sequel. <laughs> Anti gravity <laughs> set on Earth. <laughs> It'll be set from Ed Harris's view. Oh like, yeah, be, yeah, like being <laughs> under shadow of the anti gravity. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Where there is gravity. Yeah, exactly. Yes. All right. Get working on that, screenwriters of Hollywood. All right. But yeah, yeah, it had so many good points. I just felt that the execution of some of the stuff mostly the pacing kind of fell a little flat so despite how much i enjoyed the film as an experience the actual film itself i'm giving a rating of minus three all right so enjoyed it a little more yeah Yeah. and i i mean i i enjoyed it more than a minus three myself but actually critiquing the film (laughs) yeah minus three for me okay Yes. Do you have something to recommend to the folks quickly? I do indeed. This one is another Hulu Plus one, and it is an anime. So I'm sure half of the people listening have decided not to bother with this one. It's called Attack on Titan, which when I first saw it, it was basically you saw an image of a giant face and a guy holding two swords looking at this face. And I thought, well, that could be interesting. I watched it and I found it very interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's humanity is walled off against these giant things that the only reason they exist is to eat humans. And most of the film is trying to figure out a way of fighting them and or understanding them. Mm. And so based on that, you get some really interesting scenarios on top of a few twists here and there that kind of turn the story on its mm. head. Plus the added bonus that it's based, it was based entirely on a manga that isn't finished yet. And there will be more. So I, so now I'm actually at a point of watching something on Hulu Plus, but having the TV side of it, I'm like, I have to wait till next fall to find the next thing. Oh, poor you. <laughs> so yeah, I would hardly <laughs> recommend Attack on Titan, even for those that aren't really into anime. It, it really is such a great story that I think you'll be able to get over that. Fair enough. All right. I have a uh, VOD recommendation since I haven't been watching Netflix recently. (laughs) Um, But uh, this one has been out for quite a while now, and uh, it's been recommended to me by a couple of friends. But the film is called Mud. I don't know if you want to throw the indie label on it. I mean, when you have that many stars in it, it's kind of hard to throw the indie label on things. Well, it it always depends on how it comes out, I think. Yeah, but it's a newsflash. I like Matthew McConaughey now. (laughs) (laughs) At least in this film. Right. Uh, I would say, you know. Not his 900 other... Uh... Like you can always have one. Yeah. There's always yeah, the one. Not, yeah, you know. <laughs> like, what's his nuts and buried? Yeah. <laughs> Great ending, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, no spoilers there. I know, I know the thing Ryan is Reynolds, to really trash on Ryan yeah. Reynolds. I, I don't think he's that bad. I think he's fallen into the stereotype, unfortunately, of rom-com. Thing. Yeah, but uh, yeah, also uh, Reese Witherspoon, who is another... Uh, person on my hate list yeah. <laughs> but i still think she's a terrible person but not a bad actress <laughs> fair enough you don't have to be one to be the other yeah, i mean walk the line was the first thing i really enjoyed her in and then uh I, I, she was great in this and even uh michael shannon who's i would say one of my favorite actors currently right uh, you never know when these things are released but uh he was you know just a very small role in this but as yeah. i'm like is that Mike Shannon? <laughs> I think is that Zod? <laughs> is that Dean King? Yeah. <laughs> That's Zod? <laughs> yeah, but it was Zod. Yeah, all right. That would have been so, cool. But it's, it's a Zod. great uh, story, and just check it out. Rent it on. Uh, you can get it on Redbox right now. VOD. 
I'm sure. I'm sure the second you get it on VOD, it'll be on Netflix the next yeah. day. So <laughs> you I might know, wait for a minute. I, I, me and Jamie really want to see it, but we know it'll be on Netflix. So we're willing. Yeah, to highly it. recommended. Uh, having Sam Elliott's in there. Um, the the kids are wonderful in it. Just check it out. It's a really cool story. Uh, right. So yeah, I just don't want to go into it too much because no, it'll yeah, give it yeah, anything you, away. But yeah, do yep, uh, that's all I got. Alright, well, I think I'm that's tired all. of hearing myself. <laughs> well, what do you think? I edit this thing. I listen to us all the time. <laughs> Why do you think I listen? To- <laughs> I'm tired of yeah, one time. Alright, so yeah, have fun with that, Paul. Alright. Um, <laughs> well, I think that's all for me. That's all for me. Alright, bye, folks. See ya.